Hello, everybody. It's Friday, February the 12th. This is our first episode, man. We finally finally feel like we got the bugs worked out enough to give this thing a shot. So if you're, if you're hearing this, welcome. Uh, you're going to basically, we're just going to introduce ourselves today and just kind of... You know, plug you guys into what we're hearing in the in the local scene, and the regional scene, and and uh, even the national scene. If we, if uh, any national acts are starting to get out and tour finally, and uh, we're starting to hear some stuff creep in. So, uh, just a little quick recap on on everybody and who we are, what we're about. Uh, I'm their host. Uh, my name is Brad Biggs, an Okie from the beginning. I live in Norman, Oklahoma, and I uh, do uh, repair work and uh, uh, custom work for uh, guitar amps and electronics in the in the live gig industry, if you will. You know, just all that analog equipment. That's my world. And I'm representing, I guess, the 13th Step Tone Solutions. That's the name of my company, and uh, that's what we do. Hooked up with these guys through mutual acquaintances and the acquaintances in the live uh, music uh, arena and everything kind of went to hell last year with it being canceled so uh, basically we're forming this out of utter desperation so uh, glad you guys could join along for the ride some of the best things are (laughs) some of the best things are hey it drives innovation so uh, Jonathan where you at man so uh, I'm Jonathan Grissom. I'm uh, I'm from uh, Midwest City, Oklahoma. I uh, I joined uh, the military back in like 2006. Uh, I was stationed overseas for a very long time, uh, and then I got out of the military in 2012, and I ended up going to college to the University of Colorado for business management. Uh, got my degree in that while I was in college. Uh, Actually, like you know, back in high school, I used to do a lot of promotion for a, a lot of the local bands here and stuff like that. Just going around, telling people to go to shows, check out bands. Played in a few bands, realized that I wasn't that good at guitar, uh, but I was really good at promoting bands and helping them out. Um, and then, uh, so then in college, I worked for Live Nation. Uh, we were doing event venues at the Fillmore Auditorium in Denver. And, uh, and so did a lot of shows there as a security uh, person, started out as a lower level security um, event person and then moved up to uh, being one of the uh, security managers and just doing all your simple stuff like keeping people in venues safe and checking out everything and running the shows and making sure that the shows go well. Uh, met a lot of good bands uh, during that, met Slayer, you know, a lot of good artists. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, I moved back home and throughout all this from the military all the way to then, I started a business back in 2006 that I've been setting on forever. Uh, it's called More Bands Media and it's morebands.com. And so now I'm at the process right now where I'm actually launching and working on the software. It's a website used for promoting local music and helping bands get uh, voiced heard and actually be able to set up stores and merchandise and all the things that they need to actually make money. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm coming from, uh, that I'm just trying to help artists to actually get to where they need to be. So. Very cool, man. And that's, uh, man, that's not the base of everything we all, all three of us do is, is these artists. I mean, like, like you said, you, you know, you, you felt you, you didn't want to pursue the guitar. That doesn't mean you're not interested in, in helping out these guys that do this thing, you know, live music just because you're not a musician yourself doesn't mean you can't appreciate it so uh, Wilson you got projects in the works too man tell us about it yeah my name is uh, Wilson Powers I uh, primarily do editing I used to edit for 
uh, CBS Local News 9, and I do film editing on the side as well. I uh, typically work on video projects and small promotional stuff. I've done some commercial work and things like that too. And that's something that I'm hoping to help out uh, local folks with as well. Really, my main focus as of right now is just making sure that this can get edited the way that it needs to be. And um, I am looking to do uh, some short stories and films here uh, pretty soon, just because it's, it's part of the scene that I want to be of. But... Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I don't like to talk about myself all the time, which is ironic that we're doing this like a radio show. But yeah, what have you got for us, Brad? Well, man, I'm, I'm you know, just uh, get everybody kind of up to speed. I know we had a couple of test test runs there that, you know, we had some bugs in and some problems and kind of got through that. And I feel good about this one. So as far as a, a formal introduction, I think this episode's probably the way to go on that one. But uh, basically, uh, I'd like to jump right in with like uh, just a... Uh, on this day in history of, you know, kind of get get the blood pumping this morning, you know. It's cold as fuck in Oklahoma right now, so it's a little hard to <laughs> hard to get going in the morning. And it's only going to get colder from the sounds of it. Dude, y'all see that wreck in Fort Worth? Yeah, this Whoa. is crazy. It's, it's man, insane, man, people, slow down, man. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Jesus. Anyway, all right. On this past time being Friday, February the 12th, 1997. These are in no particular order, by the way. 1997, Snoop Dogg and Sean Puffy Combs call a press conference to call an end to the East Coast rivalry that claimed the life of Tupac. I remember this is like when I was growing up, man. Like this is, this is fresh in my memory. I guess ultimately it succeeded, but uh, I mean in the long game, I guess it did. But I mean it's not before Biggie was shot, you know. I think it was like a month after the press conference. And then, hell, it seems like rappers are killing each other. It's insane, man. It really is with where music's at today. Like, uh, this isn't a, a especially hard time for everybody in general, but especially for artists in particular, I think. Just because, like, not getting to do concerts and live shows, it's driving everybody crazy. And yeah. then, like, like, the music business is already hard enough as it is, from what I understand. So this definitely isn't helping anything. Um... Because even in like a day like today where it's snowing, you know, weather conditions, a show can be canceled, that's not a big deal. But when like entire tours get canceled and it's something completely out of your control, people and musicians of every music genre, they're just like up in arms about the whole situation. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's everybody when they think concerts they think this industry they think of the bands that are playing the stadiums the arenas and, and that's a part of it but really those bands are such a small slice of the actual uh industry as a whole you know and i think there, there's there's a lot of people that don't really understand that because you know they just look on that stage and see you know these bigger than life bands up there you know you get down into the local scene and a lot of these guys, it's not a money-making venture. It's a hobby. It's a passion project, and it's it's something that they love to do. Some of them, you know, make a, a decent little hustle at it in the local scene, but as far as trying to make a living at it, it's extremely hard, even in the best of circumstances. And, you know, never mind what's going on now. We'll move on with this. Uh, same year, 1997. David Bowie receives his uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, 
that's about long overdue. Man, Diamond Dogs is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. You guys Bowie fans? Yeah, I love Bowie. Yeah? Oh, man, it's it's interesting to see someone change like that through their career and like when, when artists actually do care about uh, the image and the whole life imitating art, imitating life thing. And uh, Bowie is an interesting artist. He is an interesting artist, I'd say. Never mind musician. I mean some of his albums are hard to listen to like i don't like all his stuff but that's the nature that's the nature of an artist you know you're not going to like everything they do but it's kind of a all or none with some of them you know they're knock it out of the park or it bombs horribly <laughs> so the point is they get up and make another album you know that's that's the mark of them so yeah and one of the things that i admire most about bowie is like he never like really called himself a musician like you said he's an artist right. and he always just did what uh in an interview he said he just did whatever he wanted to and that money just seemed to follow him therefore you know right. like uh it didn't matter if it was his music or his paintings whatever it was just something that he wanted to do it was also a completely different time back then but you know he definitely set a standard for a lot of musicians and artists today in general there's a it's so i think there was a much larger disconnect i mean even you know 20 years ago from the celebrity culture to your man on the street you know there was still like you, you, now you can look up your favorite celebrity rock star actor whoever and you know everything about them you know at a click of a mouse and it used to not be that way you had to buy the magazines and so the public character of your favorite rock star was it's just that it was a character almost and the real person you know nobody ever got inside of that so it, david bowie was one of those guys that's just like you knew that david bowie was david bowie up there and if you met him in person it would be very 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 much the same so it's it's always cool to see people like that you know hold true to their roots i know i actually wanted to get to see him on tour uh, it was back, I can't remember the year, you can't quote me on this, it was like between 2012 and 2016 that uh, he was going to do his final tour. Mm -hmm. And of course they always say that they're going to do like their final tour. And then there was this uh, situation where he got up on stage in Prague and I don't know if it was like a heart attack or a panic attack, but he collapsed on stage. Mm. And the doctors told him that he wasn't physically fit to do it and that's got to be heartbreaking as an artist in general. That, uh, but a guy like him has such a vast resume too. You know, you think that in their mind, it might just be one more thing, you know, like, oh, I'll just have more time to focus on this other thing, which is ultimately what he did. Um, he still recorded album. He had an album that, I th gosh, I think it dropped the week he died. It was nuts. But yeah, um, but yeah, he recorded music up till he died. But he did he did retire from uh, the touring uh, part of it. I mean, it's got to be hard on you. It's just that nonstop travel and, oh, for sure. you know, staying with it here. Let's go to 1981. Rush, you know my thing with power trios. I love good power trio. Them evils, I'm talking to you. Rush releases their Moving Pictures album. This is probably the album everybody knows, if even non-Rush fans. And I'm a very love-hate relationship with Rush because some of their stuff is kind of, it's very prog, very out there. But you know, when they, you know, they have very, very good songs too. This is the album that's got like um, uh, Tom Sawyer, Limelight. You know, that's probably their most famous one. Yeah, a lot of their radio stuff. Yeah. And kick it back to 1972, Al Green hits number one with Let's Stay Together. That's baby making music right there. <laughs> Woo. 
Could you sing it for us, man? No, no, no. I wouldn't do it justice. I don't think anybody wants to hear something like that. We need some baby making music, Brad. If there's a way to be naked on the radio, that's how to do it. Have me sing. <laughs> All right. This wrap us up here. 1966, The Rolling Stones taped a performance of the Ed Sullivan Show. Satisfaction would go on to be one of the most massive, massively successful singles of their entire career. And then one year later, to the day, they're busted. Mick and Keith are busted at Redlands. The whole uh, Marianne Faithful with the Milky Way bar myth is uh, born out of that. You know, makes you wonder about groupies in the day you know you guys ever no no comment really am i the only one that's ever wondered that okay sure okay uh-huh right all right i see how it is <laughs> no not a problem at all i i want to know if that was true everybody you know you never hear the end of it it's always well so-and-so was there and they said they saw it happen and then the people that were there they're like no 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 and it just always goes back and forth and that that one is uh right up there with the led zeppelin one the whole mud shark uh thing the you ever hear i've heard about it i don't know too much about it yeah People just need to stop putting things inside themselves sometimes, you know? There's... That's a public service announcement. Yeah, it's just a good <laughs> uh, good way to go about your life. You know, there's only so many things you can carry inside you at once. You know what, Another though? public uh, service announcement. Like, a lot of the, the music back then, though, was like... A, a, you had to get spots on tonight shows and those different little things. You know, American Grandstand and yeah. all that. You know, that's... Uh, that's actually really interesting that um, they say that because that they, they became famous out of that. Nowadays, I'll be watching like SNL and I'll see an artist and I'll be like, I don't know who that is and I'll never care who that is, yeah. you know. But back then, it's like people saw artists and they were just like, whoa, they were blown away by all these, you know, really famous people. But I think they just put like Class B artists on a lot of those shows now. Well, I think it's the difference in the way... And it's, it's probably because everything is so easy and overexposed. You know, it's, it's easy to get content of whoever. But, I mean, the Beatles, when they came to America, they only played like 25-minute long shows. Yeah. And you're talking about JFK or whatever stadium, the Shea Stadium, I can't remember. But it's it, you just see this blob of people. Uh-huh. And I'm like, all these people drove probably an hour or more to see a 25-minute gig. You would just not see that today. I mean, they flooded them at the airport. They couldn't even get off the damn planes. Craziness. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's it's fun. It's funny to see how everything has changed, and and just how the the entire interaction of the whole fan, uh, you know, band relationship is. I don't. It's it's different. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's. There's not a lot of separation anymore because of the social media and how everything has come about that way. But it's and it's good in a lot of ways too because it allows your local artists like the guys we're trying to help put heat on it. It allows them to get out and really meet and interact with their fans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, leading into that, I got an idea here. This is uh, these are some guys I've been talking to through this last year um, as we've been trying to build this thing up. I call them my uh, graduates of the pandemic class of 2020. <laughs> there's, you know, there's there's been a lot of activity. There's been a lot of people uh, recording music, releasing music. There's been bands break up, bands form. There's been people displaced. There's been people. All these different things have happened over the last year, and it's led to a really I would say volatile 
scene, but also an exciting scene. You know, there, you just you don't know who's going to end up working with who and where. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of starts to break out once these things come back, you know, live music and whatnot. But uh, one band I heard of, and there's a lot of activity going on in Nashville, guys. I mean, honestly, looking online, it seems like the place to be. Uh, if there's a scene, that's probably the place that, one of the only places that has one. I mean, L.A. is shut down. Um, New York is shut down still. I, you know, Nashville is really the only place where they have a centrally located club scene, and they got bands that are actually out there still working. Yeah, and like there are some local shows going on here, and they're calling them like secret shows just so that they don't get like turned down because of the whole COVID situation. Yeah. But I mean, they're kind of staying secret shows. I've been to a couple of live shows here recently where only like three people showed up yeah just because like everybody's afraid to get sick or whichever and it's understandable like people still want to go out and support them i've set up to do like little live streams through youtube and instagram and stuff like that for some of these local artists but like that doesn't really like help a whole lot and I, you know i think that's why when i when we got to see sh uh, the guys in shinedown at the end of last year you didn't see a lot of people with their cell phones up just because i think everybody's thoroughly tired of watching concerts through a screen you know what i mean so I, it's exciting and but at the same time it's really frustrating with everything being delayed throughout the entire thing like every, what we're doing there's been delay because of covid you know so it's, it's it affects every aspect of your life really uh, it's frustrating but we're getting through it it'll be it'll be a good year anyway this band out in nashville i've talked to called uh, river ghost uh, they just formed last month, man. I uh, Well, no, uh, it was right at the end of December, I guess, around Christmas time. I, I actually got the announcement live on Facebook when I was I was just messing around on there, and I got this notification, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I, I uh, sent a message to the guy that I noticed in the band. Uh, his name's Cage DeVille, and uh, he sent me a couple of singles, and, uh, man, they sound really good. They're, they're kind of a mix. They're kind of on that... Uh, Rolling Stones, uh, Black Crows, kind of a very groove-based, bluesy rock and roll. Nice. And they're really, really good. I think they came from the fallout of another band called Suffer City Heartbreak, um, Nashville band. But these guys seem like they're, they have a good enough sound to, I mean, be successful. They, they, they really have a good tone, good songs. So yeah, it's, sky's the limit. It's just a matter of getting them out there on the road, you know. Yeah, I'll have to check them out later for sure. Other guys, I've uh, these two these two bands here have uh, they're on the California side. Uh, they've been putting out singles throughout the year. Uh, kind of a shitty thing what happened to them with the COVID uh, coming in when it did. Them Evils has a album in the can. I think it's ready to be released. But at the time they were going to release it everything happened and i'd been talking to them i'd met them in town when they had come through and they're they're cool guys and everything and they seem poised to really get this thing going and get on the road they had a tour scheduled for uh oh the pretty reckless uh, they were gonna yeah they were gonna tour with them and they had everything it looked like it was ready to go and then boom everything shut down so i'm uh, currently looking at their website they got six songs um, on an album that is uh, for download for $5.99. Uh, you can add the CD and download for $5.99, vinyl for $20. Uh, you can do a signed um, download or, or whatever for $9.99 and then signed plus uh, download for 
uh, 30 bucks. So buy it. Um, yeah, so just go check it out. It's uh, themevils.com. Very, uh, very good band. I can I can play one of their songs like if you want or you want to like play a portion or something like I, that. If I was if I I would do a, a clip of Coattails. That's their newest single and uh, it's just good groove based rock and roll. It's tough to beat. So that's a good little sample of uh, of what they bring to the table, man. They're a three-piece band, and uh, I've seen them live uh, a couple of times. And I tell you what, man, uh, first time we seen them, they opened for Pop Evil, and we went there. Just we didn't know who they were or anything. They were we seen they were on the bill, and uh, they came out, and the Jake, their bass player, came in from the ceiling rafters. He's up there. He jumped down, hanging down, and jumping around before the band even clicked into the first chord. I said, well, damn, I'm, this is my kind of band. I'm moving up front, you know? <laughs> so if, if you see, if you, if you go to the website, buy their merch, man, they, they could use the help. I know everybody out in California, all those bands are struggling because there's nothing out there. They are locked down. So go buy the merch, go buy the EP. It's really, really good. The next band I talk about is of limbo. They're in the same kind of area as them evils. I think they're in Southern California. Uh, more towards like the Long Beach area, but uh, they're they're releasing a covers album, and they just did it for fun this during the COVID thing. Uh, it's called Covered 19. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> but they also have a new music video out. Uh, My kind of girl is the name of the song. These guys were in a really bad wreck in Oklahoma too, coming through. Uh, I don't know when it was, a few years ago, but I was talking to the guy, and. Uh, he says, yeah. I said, man, we actually have a scene here in Oklahoma. Maybe y'all should come back on through. He goes, we have kind of a thing about Oklahoma. And they told me the story about how their their uh, RV got in a big old wreck out there near Shawnee. I said, golly, man. I wouldn't want to come back either. It says Brother Jake and Luke Davies, yeah. Yeah, that's so, nice. Yeah, so the music that's on here on their site, there's nothing but now... Uh, let me see. Nah, Add on. Sure, we'll just yeah. randomly play one. Just give them a few, you know, 15, 30 seconds, whatever. Let's see. That's a seven-minute song. Well, that's a few seconds. Let people yeah. digest that. But guys, go check them out. They're they're a really good band, and they're on the upswing too. And all this stuff shut down. It was, it's just hard to to see that happen, especially when you see a band that's really got talent and it 
it's hard enough to keep a band together in when the things are good and you know never mind when people are struggling you know it people got to eat you know it's hard to be in a band if there's nothing no gigs that's just the reality of it but uh, moving on uh We'll give a shout out to some of our Okies, you know. That's what we're about, our local scene, you know. And these guys are, are uh, on the upswing, and they're here local. Uh, we got Luke Haley. He's a country artist. Uh, he got inducted to Oklahoma Opry, I think, two years ago now. Uh, he's got some shows coming up. Uh, he's got uh, April 9th at the Alley Club and April 16th at 89ers Day in Lexington. I don't know if that's like a parade or something. I'm not sure, but sounds like an event. If you'd like to go check him out, go check him out. Um, he does have original material. I'm not sure if his website is up and running yet, though. Uh-huh. I, have to, I have to double check with that. I but check with him. I can probably do it for him. So. Cool, cool. Uh, another guy is Brent Kruger. You guys need to listen to this guy. He's got all he's got stuff on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, he's a guitar player here um, locally, and, and he's also a music producer in the studio. He does a lot of studio work. He works with a lot of local artists. He's not unknown around around these parts and he's a, a, a kick-ass guitar player to boot so uh he right now he's got some projects in the work he's recording tracks for a, a upcoming single called uh, vegas so keep your eyes out for that and if you see his name on a billboard around here somewhere you know peek in go buy a ticket because he'll uh put on a good show for sure um l- last guy i got here is uh mr battle this guy is a young guy, youngster, but he's a very, very, very good guitar player. I actually worked with his dad at a previous job, and uh, this was years ago. And, uh, you know, I'd known he'd played guitar as a kid because I worked with his dad, you know. So his dad would come in with these recordings and stuff. And I'm like, man, this, he's really good. Like, you can just tell sometimes with the level of playing versus some other people in that age group and you could tell he's standing out you know so it's been very interesting to see his uh, development and now he's working with some people and uh he said things are slow right now um he's been kind of quiet on social media and whatnot uh just with the way everything is but he's he's definitely got some things that are that are keeping him inching forward we'll say i mean i I say it as falling forward and uh he agreed you know i talked to him for a little bit yesterday on on uh, messenger and he says you know things are slow but um they are still moving forward he he's uh said to just tell people to check him out on his Instagram and his his YouTube and his Facebook. He's pretty active there. He's on Spotify. Yeah. Right here, I'm currently on Spotify. It says uh, 10 monthly listeners on average. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he has about 10 songs on here. And actually, he has about, what was it, a couple albums on here. Yeah. And so he's singles, he's been putting out material since he was a little teenager. I mean, he's he's he was he's still a youngster, uh, but man, he's he's talented. So uh, you can check out his uh, single "King of the Wasteland." It's on there, uh, Spotify. He's got uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff too. And and definitely check this guy out. He's, he's someone to keep your eye out for. It's in the metal world, you know, for someone this young to be throwing out some some riffs like this kid plays, I you know, you know, it's it's fun to see. It's fun to see that someone is still interested in the guitar to that degree, you know, in the world we live in. So it'd be exciting. I've met several musicians like this, like locally here in Oklahoma, where 
like uh, they're about my age. I'm I'm 25, but I've seen some dudes and ladies pick up the guitar, and it's like they've been playing for 50 years or something, you know. And it's just like astonishing just to see how people pick up instruments so easily. And you could tell like a lot of it may be through like their dedication or practice or like their love for music in general. But you can really see the way that people connect with their instruments, um, which is like super surprising. Like some of my favorite local musicians, like I really like Amanda Howell. Uh, she does really well. She's a local uh, guitarist and musician. And you can just see the way that she connects with her guitar. It's just really inspiring honestly yeah there's a lot of people that when you see them it's like you said you can literally see them hold the guitar in a way that there's just that natural comfort sometimes that people just take to it you know it's like anything else some people just have a natural talent and some people have to have to work a little harder at it you know but i i always would steer people to at least picking up the guitar and learning some chords and stuff just because it's it's challenging but at the same time it's not so challenging that it's not fun it's always fun to pick up the guitar and and throw a few chords out there and just see see what happens you know yeah and like i think the love and appreciation that you have for it is really what uh drives people to keep doing it like steve Vai uh admitted in I think it was on one of his videos for String Theory where he was talking about like how he got started and all of it. He was like six years old. Uh, but he said that when he started out, he was bullshit at guitar. I don't mean to say bullshit, but like in his own words, he was just terrible. He didn't have like a natural thing for it. So, but he loved it. He loved it enough to like buy his own guitar when he was really little and just kept at it for years and years until he got to like the Steve vibe that we know today. And he says that he still practices and still fiddles with it and still like tries to discover new sounds and things like that just because that's how much he cares about it. There's not a day where he doesn't like not practice for a couple hours at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and everybody's different too. I know people that never put it down. I mean, even years and years later playing the guitar and like, I've gone through phases. Like I've gone through phases where I just can't get away from it. There's always ideas coming in. And then like now I'm in a phase where I've been, we've been busy trying to bring this thing to life and just other things. And I haven't picked it up for a few days, you know? So I don't know. Uh, You know, inspiration for songwriting comes in so many different forms. Sometimes it comes to you when you've been away from it, and sometimes it comes to you because you have so much going on with playing the guitar. I mean, it's overly complicated considering there's only 12 notes. (laughs) Right? You can't even, like, talk about effect pedals. Like... It's just so many. Oh, man. And nowadays, yeah, that's what I keep telling my wife. I'm picked a hell of a time to get into this game because there's, especially with, with the way Instagram connects you, because now you can see all these different builders, custom builders, elect, you know, electricians that they all build their own custom pedals. And it makes, it makes, it makes you feel like the market share is way bigger than it actually is. I mean, realistically, this is, you know, a dozen guys on Instagram, but if that's all you see on your Instagram is other people building these pedals, it makes you think, man, I'm never gonna sell a pedal. 
There's yeah, just well, too many they, out there. Uh, they have so many digital uh, things where, like, uh, my friend that's in Soul Crisis, he uh, he said that there was this particular app that um, that it comes up in my feed all the time on Facebook, like, trying to get me to buy it. But, like, it has thousands upon thousands of, of effects and features and stuff like that. And they have these digital pedals that you can attach to this thing. And then he just programs whatever song it is that he's going to play and it already has presets and yeah. so it has it all set up for him he hits a button and then suddenly it's like his whole guitar playing and everything changes based on that and the whole sound changes based on just all these digital pedals and that's that's the most used product in the industry now like that that digital pedal system so i have to like look up the name but um but yeah, a, it's, yeah. it's, it, i mean but it's huge like, well and it's it's kind of a it goes back to that whole argument of analog tube amp versus digital amp and to me there's no right answer there's only a preference i think one of the things with like digital amps and like uh, pedals and stuff like that it's just so crazy today because i, I was at guitar center uh, a couple months ago and they came out with a katana amp and it has seven different like effect pedals already built into yeah. it and it's like i can't like say a price right now because it probably varies depending on like where you're buying them from but it's like around two hundred dollars or something like that and to get like several different effect pedals and just to be able to find those different kinds of tones it's just super crazy and um i mean it's interesting and i really do think that it is like you said it's there's no wrong way it's just preference whether it's tube or digital like uh Especially in the day and age that we live in now, so much of it is digital. Yeah. There are very few bands that I know that are actually going out of their way to, like, record in a room. A lot of it is just being done electronically. Some of my favorite bands that I listen to today, like, all the drums are electronic. There's, like, no, uh, like, person behind them actually doing it. This just, like, tapping on the keyboard. just. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, that's wild, man, what they can do. But there's also a certain... There's a certain tone that just can't be replicated digitally that it's i don't know how to describe it other than it's there's a warmth to it there's a warmth to the tone it's like a bottom end but it's not bassy but it's it's some reason there's something you can really only get out of a tube amp now i mean the digital ones the the trade-off is is like on a day like today, it's cold as fuck, right? Say it was like in Oklahoma, you go from like 65 one day to 20 the next morning. If you have that and say you're in the middle of a studio session and you're, man, it's sounding good. The tubes are cooking. This is perfect. We're dialed in. And you leave that track and then you come back the next morning, your amp will never sound like it did the day before. It, it would just won't. The Everything about the outside environment, humidity, temperature all that stuff affects the tube amps tone which is part of the fun but also part of the frustration you know uh the digital stuff you don't have to worry about that you set that up you dial it in and it's going to be the same every single time you turn it on because all it is is a digital it's a it's an equation to model a circuit so that's that's all you have there so there's there's definitely positives and negatives on both sides i don't steer people one way or the other i would definitely say if you're going to be putting on a show for a you know a decent sized area uh and you want to push the volume a tube amp a traditional tube amp is the way to go yeah especially if you're doing something outdoors and like say the venue that you're at doesn't have like the best sound system already trying to like 
do the sound yourself through tube amps is definitely something that is highly recommended. For sure. I mean, if you're going to do like a small venue, you can take like a little Katana amp or whatever that's like purely digital and just um, play at like open mics, bars, that kind of thing. Just, it really is like you mentioned before, preference. So. Uh, another thing is like the specific tone that you're trying to get out of it. I know some artists who sound amazing through tube amps and who refuse to play through digital. And then I ask why, like out of, is it out of preference or is it just because like you feel a difference? And some will actually say that they feel a difference when they play or that they can hear it at least. And like, it's crazy because like, it's the same guitar, it's the same chord, you know, but it's just a different i would argue that the amp is more critical to your overall tone than your guitar is I, I would make that argument because you can have guitar players play different guitars but you'll always know it's that guy like david gilmore uh, he's known for playing a stratocaster but when he plays a les paul you still know it's david gilmore Right. You know, uh, I'd say a, a great majority of the tone is in the amp. The second most is in the guitar and its electronics. And the third influence is just the player themselves. Well, and then you then you go to the vocalists and some vocalists, they, they sound amazing live, but they don't sound good in studio. And I think that they kind of feed off the energy of the audience. You For know? sure. And then you have the ones that are amazing in studio. And then, like, you put them in a concert venue, and all the fans are like, why Why do they not sound good? And we would get these complaints at Live Nation all the time, like, like they don't sound good, your, your venue's at fault. And it's like, our acoustics are amazing in this venue. Like, this venue holds 3,000 people, and it has perfect acoustics. Like, it's been engineered to have perfect acoustics. And it's like, I'm sorry that the artist doesn't sound like they do on the radio or on the you know in in the studio on your cd because they're live you know my god and people would blame the venue they blame the venue they won't they, they wouldn't be logic? willing to blame the art artists and sometimes <laughs> artists uh would uh you know uh they they would blame and i'm not going to put artist names out there because you know they they're like they're, a lot of them are very large but uh they would blame the sound engineers. Now, sometimes it is the sound engineers. I've, I've been, uh, like there was a, uh, early on in uh, Tower Theater in Oklahoma City, uh, there was a bunch of bands playing a show and there was a sound engineer and he was not good at his job. And everybody in the room could tell. And the management started yelling at this dude and they were just like, dude, like you're, you're not, like you need to, you need to just cut. We needed somebody else to jump on the, on the sound because he just could not understand why why he why they were saying that it was him and it's because everything he would do on the board it was ruining the sound of every single band that played and the bands were just complaining on the stage they were just like dude turn up my sound oh no you need to turn the volume down on this person and then they're like dude who hired this guy like they they were flipping out on stage because everybody's seen multiple local shows with these bands and it wasn't just one band and so like every band like one band got sick of it walked off stage the band's like crap they got on stage and then they started playing a show and so like um tower theater ended up replacing that particular sound engineer 
and it was because they just were not good at their job. Yeah, you know? front of house sound is something I know a little bit about, but it's not something I'm I'm certainly not an expert in. I, I know when I'm standing on a stage in front of monitors what I want to hear, and I can translate that to the guy, but uh, that is definitely a job that you want someone who knows what the hell they're doing doing it. You know, especially because, like you say, that can make or break the entire show. Never mm -hmm. mind one band. People ask for refunds. Yeah. They will go after the entire company and be like, we, we want a refund from that show. Yeah, man. So. No, and that's like uh, something that I hear a lot is that a lot of the times people aren't happy with the sound that they're getting at these local venues. And it's not like. It can be any one particular person's fault. Like in this case, yeah, if some dude's fucking up the sound, he needs to like step away from the board. But um, a lot of the times I like over at the Tower Theater here locally, I don't like the acoustics. I went there to see like The Shape of Water, which I didn't even know they were playing movies there at the time. And so I showed up there and I could not for the life of me hear half the movie. And I don't know if it was because he was there working the sound or whatever it was, but it just wasn't that great. Some of my favorite acoustics have been at the live shows outside. Like, um, I love going to the zoo amphitheater every chance I get, especially yeah. like, like, you know, if like the cats got their van outside, just like at hundred point five, the cat is just like sponsoring the show. It's going to be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And like, uh, like you go there for cat fest or whichever. And, I don't know what it is about it just being outdoors and you would think that it's not going to sound that great just because of like acoustic wise, but it does every time. And there are like certain small venues like over at the 89th street, uh, was it cotillion or collective? Uh, collective yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, that's like more of a punk venue anyway. Yeah. It's, it's not like the best sounding place, but it also looks like somebody's like messed up living room. So, uh, so the um, back when they were the conservatory, uh, the the room was actually designed where uh, the stage didn't face the way that it is now, where it faces out and there's a lot more room for people to stand. Yeah. Uh, it used to be faced the other direction um, in a way where everybody had to pack in and there was like a bar on the other side. And so like you had all the people that were adults, like on that side, it was, a, it was an all age venue. And so when you came in the door, you had to like cut to the left and you entered this stage well the room would be so packed on this stage area that like used to it's basically the whole stage area now but like that whole p portion of the building is that whole stage area but before it was a smaller stage and it was just like everybody was just packed in in this little bitty area and and i mean it actually sounded better because it was just less distance from the band than what it is now. Now it's a more open room. And so I think that the sound kind of carries more, but because the the wall or the actual building is made out of like uh, metal and, and, and stuff like that, and they have some insulation, but uh, but I know a lot of the local bands, they love to play the 89th, you know, and I, and I actually really, um, the, the guys actually own the 89th, they're really nice, um, you know, really nice dudes. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it's a good venue, but at the same time, it, it does have its drawbacks because it, it is an open room and the music doesn't actually flow the way it should. Well, I've only been there like two or three times, and I remember like the last two times specifically that I was there, the acoustics were just not there. I don't know if it was because of the sound that they were trying to get, maybe it was the band, maybe it was just like the amount of people that were in the room. Like, uh, Brad, what's your favorite venue here locally in Oklahoma? Uh, locally, I do like the zoo um, for putting on, like a, like a national act uh, when they host uh, big acts. I like that. 
Um, I, I guess I could say I tolerate the Chesapeake. I don't like going there. Um, but I know that sometimes when you have the big axe, that's the only way, that's the only place you can really host them or Tulsa. You can go up to Tulsa. I do like that, the BOK Center. That's a nice venue. The BOK Center was really cool. I saw Green Day there, but I do understand like what you're saying about the Chesapeake. I saw Foo Fighters there um, a couple of years ago. I don't remember if it was like 2016 or 2017. And it was like right after Dave Grohl had broke his leg or something. And he was like sitting on a throne and all that. The acoustics were not as great as I wanted it to be, but the entire place was packed. Just because it had been a super long time since they'd been on tour in general, the tickets were expensive. Um, but just like getting to be there, there was like no room at all, just completely packed. Because everybody was so excited to see them. And yeah. so uh, like, the I think the max capacity that's for the zoo amphitheater is just over a thousand people. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you see a thousand people there, I was there for Maroon 5, Holy shit. Mm. There were so many people. There was like the moment that they started this wave of people just, they did the wave. They just got up and just were like shouting and just so excited to see um, Maroon 5 there. And I think they were there with Train. It was several years ago. But still, it's a lot of people. I don't even know the capacity that like Chesapeake is at, but it's almost about the same as the BOK Center. That place was completely. Yeah, I think the Chesapeake is right around 20,000. Really? Um, it's yeah most arenas are between 15 to 20 i think ours uh, the bok is on the higher end of that i know that i think the chesapeake might be smaller yeah and you that's know, like anybody, uh, <laughs> i can google it yeah, you can google the actual like, google that shit what they can hold well i also think that like uh depending on certain live venues like i went to the new at&t center in dallas when metallica started going on tour again because uh, I took my mom for her birthday as like a present because she had seen them like 16 times live or something before back in the past. Wow. And I thought that it'd be cool just to take her as like a gift to go see Metallica. But the acoustics were so bad at the AT&T Center. And it's not that there weren't a lot of people because there were so many people because this was like their first time coming through Texas on tour. But like, I don't know, you could stand in certain parts of the auditorium and not hear them. It was so weird. I don't know if it was just because of the sound guy who did actually fuck up near the end of the show, but um, I just couldn't enjoy, like, appreciate the sound. This was my first time seeing them live in my life, and I only heard, like, two-thirds of the show. Hmm. I always thought about, like, the uh, Diamond Ballroom. Like, it, it was always hit or miss with them. Like, they, they have some shows that are that are awesome, and the bands, like, play really well in there, and the acoustic's really good, but then there's other bands that it doesn't really match really well. You know, that's, and that's still a problem, even with the new management. I mean, and I know they've made upgrades to the place, and it is a, it's, it's a nice place to go see a show now. Um, but... Yeah, there there's definitely nights when it's you can tell it's and I don't know if it's the house sound or some bands bring their own sound guy. You just never know. But oh. sometimes it's just it's just an off night, you know. Sometimes the chemistry's just not there. No band is perfect, but uh, yeah, it, it, you can definitely tell. And sometimes, again, you know, a cold, dry night is going to affect those amplifiers and those speakers and all that stuff that has an analog. Well, a lot of those bands and their equipment are traveling, you yeah. know, they're, they're traveling on buses and, yeah. and other equipment vehicles. And 
you know, uh, a lot of studios are temperature controlled, so it's it's a little different. You can't really temperature control a venue. Yeah. I mean, you have the doors yeah. wide open, so if it's a freezing night, you know, I, I remember nights where we were watching, like, bands play, and we would just have the doors open, the front doors open, and it'd be negative temperatures outside in Denver, and and you, you would just be sitting outside freezing, I mean, just shaking, and, uh, and, and like, and everybody would just come in and stuff, but nobody would stand in the front part of the venue because the front part of the venue was freezing cold so everybody would be right up on the stage during those during their, those shows you know so so cold you try to turn your amp on and wait you, for the tubes to warm up oh. <laughs> have either one of you been to the criterion i've never been to that venue i haven't been I, to I, that. I hear that it's it because they designed it to be that way that it, they designed it to be uh very good with the acoustics and everything because the uh the type of venues that are across the whole u.s that are your 3,500 to uh, up to 5,000 people, uh, usually that's a good number because if you get too big, then you end up where you're at like, you know, Fiddler's Green and, or what they call the dental. It's like some dentist company's like name or whatever, Comfort Dental in Denver. And this venue was awesome for a festival. I mean, they marked off roads like throughout the whole city and they had like stages everywhere. And so I, I saw a lot of local bands there. I went there th to go see uh, the Rockstar Energy Fest uh, a few years back and they they had this awesome stage and everything. But the problem was if you got nosebleed, I got like seats like in the first hundred ropes of the of the front end of the venue because I was like, if I'm going to pay the money to go to the show, I'm going to pay $100 for this show, right? Because I've, I've never been to a Rockstar Energy Fest. So I was like, I'm going to do it, you yeah. know? And and but like when you go back in that same venue, I've seen Weezer, I've seen Lincoln Park, and like you would be in the nosebleed and you're watching a TV screen of the band because you can't even see the band because yeah. you're so far out and you can barely hear them that far out. And it's because it's just so big. And that I think that's why you guys point out, you know, the best venue down here that actually honestly is the Zoo Amphitheater is because it's not too big. You know, you can be on the side and there's areas on that venue that like nobody knows, you know, I guess I probably shouldn't say that, you know, about it, but there's areas in that venue that nobody knows that there's open seating or there's open walking and sitting areas that like are throughout the, the sides of the venue, but you have a perfect view of the stage. And so if you sit on those sides or you sit in those areas, nobody ever messes with you and you have a perfect view. Yeah, man. That, that is one place that I'll probably tear up a little bit when they open back up. I just I have nothing but good memories from the Zoo Amphitheater for concerts. Yeah, for sure. I've seen one band that disappointed me there, and it wasn't even that big of a deal then. I, I saw uh, Slayer's last show oh, uh, wow. when they were in their closing tour there, and uh, and I mean, it, but all the bands that played that show, it was it was just phenomenal. Like yeah. it was the whole show was good. So, yeah. well, uh, let's wrap it up a little bit here. I'll uh, we'll finish up. We'll just kind of give a rundown of what we're doing individually here. I guess uh, basically the the structure of this whole thing falls under more bands media that's kind of how we're all gonna operate under with this podcast and um it hopefully will drive business to bands which will also in turn drive business to our podcast and we can keep that cycle going and we can introduce a lot of bands that are in that middle rung you know that are out there 
touring to survive and get to that next level and they're almost there and there's a lot of bands out there that are at that level and i would like to be able to bring these bands some exposure as they're passing through town especially where we're located with you know the i-35 i-40 junction being right here it seems like a no uh, should be an easy gig to get some of these bands to at least pass through and you know introduce themselves and maybe get a little following for them you know who knows so i'm uh i started a company called the 13th step tone solutions it's um, uh, basically it's mostly a repair a repair shop for amplifiers guitars and pedals and, and whatnot um i have started to to build um but i'm kind of just dipping my toes in that just to see uh where i can go with it what the potential is for it but most of my stuff is repair work and uh taking broken amps and flipping them and and just having fun with it basically it's uh mostly a passion project but i you know i get to meet some interesting people and i get to exchange ideas with some really really good people that are smarter than me most of the time uh since doing it i'm never the smartest guy in the room so that's a it's a good thing so and that applies here too so with that i'll uh, turn it over to one of you guys you know go ahead all right. Um, yeah. So uh, basically, what what I'm working on now is uh, I've, I've been building the website for uh, localearshot.com. Uh, you can look at uh, localearshotpodcast.com. Uh, the episode will be listed there. Uh, our next episodes will actually be listed on the sites. Um, we're building a donation page. Uh, we will be taking crypto and we will be taking other forms of donations. Uh, if uh, we we do kind of uh, believe inside the value for value model so uh, it's basically your talent your treasure um, and so if you can give us your treasure that'd be great if you're a band and you want to give us your talent then you know make contact and so you can reach me at john at uh, local earshot uh, dot com and uh, and I will get you connected with us to be able to set up an interview and and then you can come in and actually do a show with us and we can talk about your band and we can talk about your music if you want to uh, put on some music and play on the show and stuff we will allow you to do that uh, and because we're just uh, here to help you guys and then uh, morebands.com uh, I'm, I'm working on all the account types and all the stuff for that and so pretty soon it's going to be able to have uh, people sign up on accounts and a lot of it will be band related i do uh web design so uh if, if 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 it's a band and stuff i have a lot of interfaces that can be used to build band websites so um uh, just uh contact me at john at localearshot.com yeah with that being said like we really do want to hear more from you guys like whether you're a listener or another like local band that's just looking to get your word out there and your sound out there too uh we want to hear your stories we want to hear like your favorite music your reasons for playing your uh inside stories like what gets you pumped and like what keeps you motivated in your music and your choices and like your tastes and we're looking forward to hearing more about uh you and your ventures as far as this musical journey that we're all taking uh my name is wilson powers i do like a lot of the editing uh particularly for this show and we're looking to see like exactly where this could not only take us but take you like we want to be part of your story we want to make sure that people know your sound so yeah like john said keep in touch 100 percent. and you can get a hold of me on facebook 
uh, just my name, Brad Biggs. Uh, that's more my personal account, though. Uh, if you're, you're interested in uh, getting with me about maybe a repair repair work or some of that nature, uh, Instagram is 13th Step Tone Solutions, and that's kind of where I'm working all my stuff from there for now. Um, I, my LLC is in process, so um, I'm finishing that up until I'm ready to go with the building my own website and stuff. So I want to get that locked in before I proceed there but i am doing repair work so uh, if you guys have anything uh, questions or even just some tech questions um uh, send me a message here we can address it on the podcast i would love to do that so um i guess with that we'll call it a day huh all right yeah. love Thank y'all so see y'all right. bye thank you have a good day bye.